Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Welcome to Argyle Chat, the Plymouth Argyle podcast brought to you by the Herald Sports Desk. Welcome to this week's episode of Argyle Chat. It's been a long time coming, but we are able to talk about a rare Argyle win following a 1-0 victory at AFC Wimbledon. Joining me to discuss things are David Monday and Jack Ball. Hi, chaps. Hello. David, you were there to see a rare Argyle win. I was there. Yeah, it did happen. I can confirm. Yeah, it was uh, was a great um, atmosphere towards the end of the game. It wasn't really a classic in in many ways, Um, but we've, we've said for a long time it doesn't matter how it comes, just as long as it does. And uh, that's what happened. And yeah, the, the Argyle fans were—I I don't know—I've ever seen them so happy. I mean, the, the scenes in the away end were up there with you know some of the memorable things we've seen over the last couple of years because it's just been such a long time. And especially after the two results in midweek as well, where they drew with um, you know some um, they drew with Blackburn, they drew with Shrewsbury as well. You know, the Shrewsbury game especially—you know—they probably could have won. So for it to finally come. Um, yeah, was was great for, for all involved, and for, and for me and Chris on the sidelines as well. I mean, when the full time whistle had gone, obviously Chris is a Palace fan, so obviously his allegiances do lie sort of slightly elsewhere. But he does does enjoy um, obviously reporting on Argyle. And the second the full time whistle went, he was he was fist pumping with the rest of them. So yeah, we were all quite happy. Yeah, you said it wasn't a classic, but no, a classic performance under Derek Adams. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, yeah, it's not one for the that's going to be particularly fun to watch in years to come. But as you said, yeah, it was just a classic Derek Adams performance, especially this season. Um, you know they, they put everyone behind the ball the goal came from a counter attack um, you know as, as we sort of discussed over the last couple of days you know 11 men behind the ball even at set pieces as well there wasn't really much of an outlet there and, and you know the, the home fans the Wimbledon fans were quite frustrated because their team just couldn't um, break them down um, but you know at the end of the day it's a results business and Derek has, has done what he knows best what he's used to and has got a result so you know credit to him I think for, for getting that result finally yeah and Jack it's been a long time coming for you as well. We've, you've taken a lot of stick in the office recently, but that's the thing. You that on a Saturday, didn't you? It shows the difference that a win can make. I think everyone's mood's been lifted. We spoke about after the draw, two draws that David spoke about over the last few weeks, the importance of getting a win on Saturday. Because if they lost that game, then those draws really would have meant nothing. Because mm-hmm. FC Wimbledon were a team that are struggling in, in the League One as well, not scoring a lot of goals. So it was important for Argo to, to, you know, to not only get the three points, but for Derek Adams. His philosophy to be backed up by, by points. He can speak as much as he wants until he's blue in the face. But it's, it's only points that really matter. And finally, they got it on the weekend. And yeah, it's a huge relief to everyone. And I think when Rochdale come down, which again is another, another must-win game, which I'm sure we'll talk about a bit later, yeah. it's, it's, I think everyone will be going into that game with a lot more optimism hope. The Green Army should be more vocal. Everything just should be much better than what it would have been had our goal you drawn or lost on something. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've spoken about it a lot on the podcast. and we spoke about the importance of that Wimbledon game and how Derek Adams had to win it mm. really didn't he well yeah I've, I've, I mean I've said before that I thought if he didn't win that game then that could be the end of his Argyle career it's those type of fine margins because you can't go 13 games without a win in many clubs it would have been a new club record as well yeah exactly so it was hugely important it's just it's just a sign as well I think to the other teams around there that 
Argyle can win games because mm. a lot of the teams down the bottom really want to be winning games recently. Northampton obviously beat Gillingham at the weekend. Gillingham picked up a few results. Oldham under Richie Wellens have done well. So it's important that Argyle don't get too adrift because it's one thing to keep losing and heads to drop. But if you start seeing that gap, you know some managers and players say they don't look at the table, don't look at the table. But I don't believe that. I think everyone looks at the table. And when you start seeing a points gap of six, seven, eight points. It can, you can really start, I'm sure, to feel that weight on your shoulders. Yeah, I guess that's the only sort of downside for Argyle, is that like, that gap between them and safety, is, it's only been reduced to five points, but it's a start, isn't it? You know, they've needed to get that start from somewhere, a couple of clean sheets, a couple of draws, now they've got that win, you kind of feel the, the me- yeah. momentum's perhaps And it's there. an unbeaten run as well, which is, is yeah. the three games now, which Argyle would have would have, would have done a lot for that a few, a few months ago. They've been unlucky in some games, they've been poor in some games, but... As David said, you did just need to win and they managed to get it on Saturday. Well, you mentioned a very good point there, Jack, about um, other teams coming and playing a team like Argyle because I think um, the, the key is in it, when you're on that horrible run and you can't get a win from anywhere and, and let's be honest, they couldn't even get a goal out of, from anywhere. Sometimes that gives a lift to the team that comes along. I mean, we sometimes you see teams kind of walk into games with a little bit too much confidence like perhaps Man United did at Huddersfield at the weekend. But generally speaking, if you're turning up to a team that you know can't win and can't score goals, it gives you that lift and it gives you that ability to put the pressure on that team, which obviously has been happening with Argyle, because you play a difference. If you're wary of, the, of, of a team and you're aware that they can win and they can go and beat, and then you kind of maybe afford them a little bit more respect in the game, and that makes the game a bit more equal. Whereas I think a lot of teams, have, because because sometimes the tactics haven't quite added up and Derek Adams has perhaps maybe been more, neg- more negative than perhaps people think he should be, sometimes it just puts the other team on the front foot mentally as well as tactically as well but now that they've got you know um, a win or beating in three then it, it kind of just puts them on a bit more of an equal pegging I think for especially a game against Rochdale you just it just gives everybody a lift for Argyle but also kind of just sends that message to the rest of the league that they're not whipping boys because they can win also it sounds ridiculous to say but the fact they've they've kept 11 on the pitch for so many games <laughs> now because you know, beforehand I think well, it's becoming such a big issue it was it? and it's yeah. a tactic that a way opposition teams can use you start you know, nudging people yeah. nudging people there yeah. and you think well, you sort of frustrated well exactly yeah. exactly and that's it's good to see that Argyle have the Argyle players have sort of stamped stamp that yeah. out really yeah. because as, as, as negative as some people think Derek Adams has been when you're down to ten men, you're fighting a losing battle. Really. Yeah, so yeah. it's been that, that's a positive as well. well I think mean, not just that, but in terms of his team selection, so he's able to get the players yes, that he yeah. wants in the positions he wants. Well, I think well. the great thing about the last three games is he's been able to play with a relatively settled yeah. back four. Um, and you know, a lot of people are a bit concerned about having Aaron Taylor and Claire starting Garisoro out technically out of position at right back. But I think the thing with Adams is that he he obviously knows his players very well, and he know, he knows that if he's got the time. Uh, to, to drill the same group of people um, with the same tactics over a long period, he can get them to keep a clean sheet, and that's been shown at the weekend. And yeah, the red cards kind of dissipating has been what's caused that, hasn't it? Because I mean, the injuries have still caused some problems, but it's just the fact that he he hasn't had to work against some external factor. I mean, yeah. that, that's I mean, my sort of analysis piece after the game on Saturday was it wasn't really an Argyle performance that was necessarily any different to what we've seen before. In fact, I don't think they necessarily played as well as they did against Scunthorpe, for example. I mean, they created lots of chances in that game, they lost 4-0, but the, the important thing was that no one got, got sent off, they didn't concede a goal early, they didn't get unlucky in key moments at set pieces or whatever. All of the sort of the frustrating things that kind of, kind of threw a spanner in the works in the early six weeks of the season the footballing gods decided just that one week that it weren't going to happen and that just meant that Adams had 
everything that could have gone right for him did which is not to say that he got lucky I mean you know Argyle still worked hard and they deserved that victory it's just that they that bad luck that we've seen in lots of situations with rash tackles that come out of nowhere and, and all of those things just didn't happen for once and I think that now that that win happened it, it will give them that lift to go forward and I think that you know we'll start to see Argyle being a lot more competitive in the division from this point onwards yeah just to take a sort of positive out of a negative situation as well obviously Jan Songo has really benefited from the chance that he was given off the back of those suspensions and is arguably playing the football of his life. And, yeah. and you mentioned Tate Sinclair there as well. Yeah. He's also in really good form. I mean, it comes back down to the fact that he's been able to play a settled sort of um, defensive setup because I think, um, I don't think Aaron Taylor Sinclair would be getting the chance now if it wasn't for those injuries and suspensions. Yeah. But what, I mean, we, we've, we saw when he came in that he was voted as Doncaster's worst ever player. And I think the run that he's had as a player over the last couple of years. I mean, I would find that horrible. I don't know how I could continue playing football with the with the run he's had and the stick he's been getting from you know not just Doncaster fans but Argyle fans as well. But it just, I think it's fantastic that he's had that opportunity to just kind of come in, and do his job, and, and he's got on with it. And with every game that passes, he looks um, more assured on the ball as well as defensively. I mean, obviously everybody remembers that block against Blackburn mm-hmm. on Tuesday. That was fantastic. He made some good blocks again on Wimbledon. Enough. Nothing as spectacular as the Blackburn one, but it was more frequent. You know, he was he was putting in decent blocks throughout the game, and um, yeah, when he had the ball earlier in the season, he looked like he just didn't know what to do with it. But now he was playing crossfield balls to Graham Carey. He was playing them up the line to Joel Grant, and kind of just looked a much more confident footballer, which is great to see. And I think in many ways we shouldn't be massively surprised because Derek Adams that seems to be his speciality is to bring a player in who has had a tough career. You know, we've seen it with Jake Jervis, and you know, some think Graham Carey before they came here. And he's turned them into, you know, much, much better player. So, you know, another positive and another thing we should give Derek Adams credit for is he seems to have got a player who nobody saw as um, anything special. He seemed to, you know, seems to be a lot more confident now. Him staying injury free as well, which is uh, yeah. a benefit. Uh, plenty of questions sent in as per usual. So, thank you to all of our listeners that sent questions in. Um, Ollie, do you agree that Carey's return to form is down to being moved to the wing? Avoiding being targeted as much by the opposition. Obviously, Jack Argyle's form has coincided with Graham Carey returning to form as well. Does him playing on the wing has that helped Argyle? Well, I've, I've not seen the last few games. It's hard. It's hard for me to me to comment too much. But um, what I would say about Graham Carey is he's he's earning his money, as it were. You know, I'm sure he was being being given a quite a substantial chunk of the budget when he signed a new contract, and I'm sure probably the biggest frustration out of everything today had him just Carey not playing to the even to half what he did last season. Um, his goals, you know, Chris, Barron, David, we've all spoken about how confidence you know, is lifted by one goal and I think that's more the case. He managed to get a goal, he's had a few shots. But yeah, I, I, I think Derek Hans knows how to play him well. Last season, I can't remember what the game was, but there, there, was a, there was a match where our goal was struggling. I think it was away, possibly South End, and he moved Graham Carey onto the wing at, at half-time and they just didn't know how to cope with him in that position. I, I think, think there was crew. There was a crew. Last season, yeah. So, so, you know, managers, I think, if they know a player's going to play in a certain position, they can practice for that in training but if you move him out of position and new players suddenly have to deal with him it can cause problems and I think if a manager can have that element of surprise going into a game week rather than having the same players in the same position every single week it makes a much more of a different threat for any manager to, to go against I mean it's an interesting question because obviously you've you mentioned there that there have been times where Carey has been able to explode from moving out, out wide I think it must be remembered that actually his goal against um uh, you know, uh, Shrewsbury a week ago or just over a week ago was actually scored from a central position you know it was a classic Carey goal where he, he beat a couple of players in the middle of the pitch and, and had a shot from just off the edge of the D and I, I, to be honest I think 
like Jack's mentioned, I think it's just getting a goal. Uh, you know, he, we, we've never doubted that he has the ability. You know, if you stick him one on one with an open net in training, he's going to do that every single time. It's just finding the right opportunity to do that under pressure in a match. And I think going from there onwards has perhaps maybe um, you know given him that lift. But of course, he is still dangerous on the right because on the right was where he played against uh, AFC Wimbledon, and you know their left back had a very difficult time covering him. You know, there would Kerry probably could have scored maybe two or three goals himself if it wasn't for some good saves from uh, the, for the Wimbledon goalkeeper and he set up, set up the goal from the wide position so he's always going to be effective on the wing of course but I think it's just it's just getting that goal we've said for a long time that we've never doubted our goal's ability it's just I think it's mental you know the second that something good actually happens for you good players like Carey mm-hmm. just push on just, not just the goal but also he's so key to Argyle in terms of their set plays as well with his delivery oh, yeah. has that improved as well in recent weeks? Um, the, the, the set pieces against Wimbledon I wouldn't say were brilliant but they weren't as bad as they have been so I mean he's still not quite back to his best from a corner there was a couple of good free kicks it, we're, we're not quite back to the sort of you know the fantastic set pieces he was playing last season but you know it, things don't change overnight so you know maybe in a few weeks time he'll, he'll smack in a free kick or you know we'll get another goal, we'll get another classic Sonny Bradley goal from a, from a corner I think what needs to happen for, for, for Graham Perry to continue that is he, other players need to improve as well they need to perform better because Two seasons ago, there was a lot put on Graham Carey's shoulders, whereas last season, goals were very shared around. This season, again, I've got to be struggling to score goals, and so suddenly everyone looks to Graham Carey more than they perhaps would have done last season when goals were being scored left, right and centre. So when, when the team is struggling, everyone's looking for that extra from Graham Carey, and there's more pressure put on his shoulders. And he probably felt that. You know, He, he, probably, he, he knows full well he's one of the fan favourites. He knows the fans have probably been on his back. You can and sense Argyle it. gave him the contract to, to exactly, justify exactly, keeping Exactly, exactly. So, you know, it's, it's a lot of pressure for one person to yeah. deal with. And no matter what level you play at, you know, it can be hard to deal with to put that type of pressure. Yeah, another player we mentioned a minute ago was uh, Jan Songo. And Michael Wonderly is saying, or asking, how important is Jan Songo to Argyle steering away from the relegation zone? Well, I think Chris put it quite well. In, in Maybe it was his video piece he did after the game. I can't remember which piece I read it in or saw it in. He said that, you know, Jan Songo was probably third choice centre-back at best at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. But... Some of his displays recently, I mean, Wigan, when Argyle lost, still lost 1-0, but I have never seen, I don't think any player ever put in such a good defensive performance as Jan Sogger put in that night. He looked like an absolute world-beater, there's nothing, apart from one, one goal, <laughs> nothing got past him, you know, he did absolutely, it was almost like there were two or three Jan Songers on the pitch, because he was just blocking shot after shot, and I was running a live blog that night, and I almost needed to copy and paste his name, because he was being mentioned every two seconds, because he really was dedicated to the cause, and that came at a time where people were questioning whether the, the team were playing for Derek Adams, and it's performances like that where, and I'm sure David will agree with Taylor Sinclair maybe over the last mm. couple of games, when you, when you see people putting their bodies on the line, no matter what part of their body it is, whether it's their face, their, you know, their feet, their, their, whatever it is, they're, <coughs> they're, they're putting it all on the line for the team. And I think that, that resonates well with the fans. And yeah. even if you don't always pick up the results, you, you will get more support mm. doing yeah. that. He's certainly doing very well. I think one thing that's worth pointing out, we have, we have said before that Jan Songo is perhaps the kind of guy you want as like the last guy on the line because he, he just instinctively gets his body in the way all of the time but then there was that, always that question do you want him to have time on the ball to then try and spread the ball around and we thought perhaps maybe he's not quite as good as that he actually didn't play at centre-back against Wimbledon he played in uh, midfield two uh, deep midfield two alongside um, Tumani Digaraga and actually looked pretty uh, confident on the ball so I mean he seems to just get better with every game because he, he was making all of the same kind of blocks and tackles um, you know um, supplementing the 
um, the defensive strength that they had at the back with Edwards and Bradley, but he was also distributing the ball very, very nicely. Um, so, you know, it to, to, you know, to go back to the idea of is he going to steer us away from relegation? Absolutely, I think so, because he, he seems to just add an extra um, facet to his, to his game every week, which is, which is great to see. Yeah. Uh, Richard Sloman's picked out Gary Sawyer. Uh, he's saying, have Argyle had any right-footed left-backs before? Hard to think of any off the top of uh, of our heads. Can you? Um, Oscar Drogo played the left-back a little bit last season. Yeah, um, that was a regular, wasn't not, it? Not, it was maybe two games or something like that, but yeah. I think, I mean, I've only been here a couple of years, other than Drogo, I can't think of something any more than that. Um, but yeah, Richard is saying is maybe playing Gary Sawyer at uh, right back the way forward he's, he's certainly slotted in and, and yeah. done well hasn't he I think, I think there's no doubt that when Frel comes back he'll go he'll straight into right back because yeah. he, he's done absolutely fantastically since arriving you know on a, on a free transfer he did well in his loan spell but he's come on leaps and bounds since arrived on a permanent from, from Bolton but so then that will be down to form surely because if Taylor Sinclair carries on playing as he is and you've got you know other defenders playing well as well yeah. then it's hard you know Sawyer playing as well the, as he is at, at right back the good thing is that he won't have to, won't have to rush him back again yeah, which, no, he admitted they rushed him back oh, yeah. to Radio Devon before whatever the game was that he played in they all merged into one for me but, um, so yeah that's the most important thing but yeah I think Gary Swartz seems to have done well yeah. in that position they've not seen him any goals which has been a, a godsend really well I think the, the, the thing with um, Sawyer is he's someone who just he, he's reliable I mean over the he's I think the people who are currently in the squad other than Luke McCormick have been here um, just about the longest and obviously has played here before as well. And he's just he's just that kind of footballing player who's just a, you know it's professional through and through. He works hard. He does exactly what the manager tells him, and he does it properly. He, he very rarely has a mistake. And we've seen him play centre back before and cope just fine. Um, I, we've said before, um, just in the office, um, with with the likes of obviously Frelkow played at left back last year, um, and obviously now Soares played right back on his left. Um, they're the kind of player who the, you know they're going to make the tackle. Wherever the pitch, wherever on the pitch it's going to be, the only downside, of course, is they might make it with the wrong foot. But as long as they make the tackle, it's fine. And, and Soy is not the kind of person who's particularly weak on his on, on his right foot. So, yeah, I mean, Thurko probably will come back and replace him. But in the in the meantime, it means that he doesn't have to be rested. And we know with someone like Soy that he's just he's just Mr. Reliable. If I was to pick one player out of the Argyle team who's, I think, consistently performed, you know, maybe six or seven out of ten and never been below. In the last two or three seasons, if you saw it, that's the thing. There's no bells and whistles with him. No, he does, no, he does a job. And the thing is, you know, when, when he's, you're, he's the sort of player a manager loves because he yeah, has to take on board instructions yeah. and carries him out. And also, he, he can help the rest of the team because of his experience and because yeah. of how much Argon means to him and his, his reputation with the club. And but, that's you know, why Alan's keeping the captaincy, I guess, yeah. in Luke's absence. And yeah. he mentioned didn't he, that it was a dream for him to, to captain yeah. Argon. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you're looking at the other potential right backs as well, Sokolik and Miller, and they just don't impress me. I mean, yeah. Miller's had a good game here and there this season, Sokolik. In that extra game, it's one of the worst footballing performances I've mm. ever seen. So, I, th- I think Sawyer is a much better option in that position. This reason is not a worry. I, mean, I think yeah. the, the right back position was a big worry, and we were even looking at playing a three-five-two with Jake Jervis as a right wing back, and we hadn't even considered um, Sawyer popping up at right back. But now that he's there and playing well, it means um, you know he doesn't have to think about that problem. He can think about a few other things. Yeah. And that's so. credit to Kateri Sinclair as well for playing well on the left. Because yeah. if he was yeah. struggling on the left. Gary Miller, sorry, yeah. Gary Sawyer would have to go back on the left absolutely. and then got that problem again, so yeah, testament to him as well. Graham Falls is saying, uh, Derek Adams said after the game that Argyle paid the price earlier this season for being too attacking in their play. 
what does he see that everyone else seems to miss? Or is Adams wrong? Are these quotes from the weekend, are they? Or? Yeah, they've not yeah. actually been used in any piece Chris has done, but um, there is a piece going up online later on which, which makes reference to it, I think. Yeah, so, um, I've got to say I disagree. I think this has been some of the most unattacking football we've seen at points this season. The first few games mm-hmm. are going to work quite attacking, but when we started getting red cards and injuries it's some of the least attacking football that I've seen well, the stats speak for themselves don't they you know one two shots yeah. on target that, that's the thing you know, anyone can whack a shot from 30-40 yards out it means nothing you know it's, it's shots on target that really count and you've got to test the opposition keeper one of the things that I've said before that I've got struggled with this season which I did so well last year is on the counter attack I've lost count of the times that I've seen the likes of Joel Grant uh, Greg Wilde Jake Jervis running, running towards players and as soon as they get to an opposition rather than having the confidence to run past them they turn around Possible and they're passable back, pass, pass back. Yeah. and that's been one of the problems so it's so nice to see a goal coming from mm-hmm. a counter-attack because that was that was what I did so well last year it was counter-attacks yeah. and set pieces yeah yeah. I, I think it's, it's tricky I mean, I, I sort of understand where Adams are coming from because it has been the odd game but I think the Scunthorpe game is one where that's probably the case because he even admitted after the game that when it was 2-0 he said I should have um, rather than chase the game I should have just try to keep it at 2-0 because you know accept the loss and try and just keep the loss respectable so that it doesn't damage a player's confidence um, and, and I, th- I think he is right in the second half of that game they probably did push on too much and obviously they only had 10 minutes left, that space, left a lot of space behind but I don't think that game sums up the earlier part of the season so yeah. Yeah, but sometimes you've just got to stabilise haven't you you, know, yeah. you can see that goal just keep it tight for 5-10 minutes and then grow into the game I think that's the sort of but what I would say then about, about that form of defeat is that he probably came away with more credit from fans because he was at least going for it. I think I've seen a lot more, and I know Twitter is a vocal minority, so you can't <laughs> do too much from Twitter, but I've seen a lot more, um, what's the word, abuse, as it were, from some 1-0 defeats and 2-1 two, two defeats than I have of that form of defeat. Because I do think, you know, sometimes fans do appreciate that he is going for it a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And sometimes you can't win as a magic, can you? No, you go for exactly. it, some people aren't happy, you don't yeah. go for it in the moaning of that, so... Yeah. Good question, question there, Graham. Thank you for that one. Uh, Gary Palmer. It's the hope that kills you. I was, resi- I was resigning myself to a season of certain relegation until the last three games. I honestly couldn't see any way through the dark clouds hanging over Derek Adams and the players. Now we have a glimmer of light, but with that comes a greater fear of failure. Lose the next game and we'll, back- we'll be back to Adams out again. After all, we are still bottom of the table on five points from safety and the tactics remain the same. I will not start to dream about staying up until we improve our performances at home park and get someone in who knows where the net is. Tactics are the same, guys, but um, does Derek Adams have the personnel now to play a system that he he sort of wants to play and prefers? I, I mean, do, do, you know, Tumani coming in has been a, an inspired yeah. something, hasn't he? I do agree with Gary. You know, I've got to get a performance out of Rochdale. I don't think it's enough to say we've, we've unbeaten a free, so yeah. he's Derek Adams is safe yeah. now. We're still it's bottom a start, of the table. It's a start. It's a start. hundred percent. And I don't think that there'll be many people out there that will suddenly think Derek Andrews is the Messiah again. that didn't think that beforehand. But it is a start. And I think the acquisitions that he's got on the free transfer market have, have by all accounts, done well. You know, having that confidence where people are still wanting to come in, they can hit the ground running as well. Because you've seen times in the past where players will come in and not fit, and they're not ready to go straight into. Um, I'll try and pronounce his name now Diego Raga um, <laughs> seems to have done well and, and the keeper um, Remy Matthews at the weekend by all accounts made some good saves in the game so it, again it's one less headache for Derek Adams to have um, but it's a, Gary Palmer's quite right you know it's the hope that kills you every football fan across the country will say exactly the same thing whether you're competing for the top you know the title in the Premier League or whether you're battling relegation in League 2 it's, 
it's all the same it's the hope that does kill you but they have like you said it's a good building point but they have to push on yeah Gary makes a point there Dave about um, he wouldn't be happy until someone comes in who knows where the back mm-hmm. of the net is obviously there was a lot of talk of uh, Simon Church being on yeah. trial at Argyle last week and by all accounts he had a pretty good debut for Scunthorpe on Saturday yeah. and both <laughs> in the first and won a penalty for the second um do you think Adams is still going to look for, for a striker to bring in? Obviously, he's, yeah, he seems I, to be looking, doesn't he? I think so. I mean, I, I think we, we we can all accept now, and I think possibly even Derek Adams may have done as well, that Nidia Chifji is, is not what Argyle need. Um, I mean, it has perplexed me, I have to admit, and I've said a lot in, in sort of comment pieces online, and I've said it to, to, to people I've spoken to as well. I find it so confusing that Derek Adams wants to play a 4-2-3-1 with a hold-up man, and yet he seems a bit reticent to just put Nathan Blissett in every single week. And I understand the drawbacks. Me and Chris had a big debate both before, during and after the game on Saturday about the pros and cons of starting Nathan Blissett and I, and I think we both sort of we were coming from different angles I, I'm from the, the, the camp that if you want a striker who's going to hold up play win headers, lay the ball off to someone else doesn't have to score goals then out of everyone who's fit right now Nathan Blissett should be the go-to person because Jake Jervis was in that role on, on Saturday and he, he, he was ineffectual you know you play long balls up to Jake Jervis despite being taller than you know, most of the Argyle team put together he's not very good in the air um, you know he's a good player on the wing but he's not a centre forward you know if you want someone to do that we know that Derek Adams likes that kind of play you've seen Jamil Matt and Ryan Brunt all do very well in that role the downside of Nathan Blissett is you know he can't put that little bit of extra pressure on he doesn't have the quality to you know um score goals as, as often as some other players in the team because he's not really a league one player but he just does he does the basics I mean I think in Argyle won the game on Saturday so I'm not going to be too critical but I think Derek is probably looking for someone who who has the same basic abilities as Nathan Blissett but perhaps maybe is a bit fitter a bit faster um, you know got more of an eye for goal um, so I, I'd be surprised if he doesn't have someone in before January, but it does suspend who's available, doesn't it? Well, it's, it's, Ryan Taylor's getting closer to return yeah, to fitness, which, might, which well. might mean no free agents might come in. The trouble with free agents is if you're bringing someone in as a striker, they're going to be coming in to score goals. Now, there's yeah. a lot of pressure for someone that's not played for, what, two, three months now. And also, if there's anyone that's got a big goal scoring record, they probably have been snapped up now. Yeah. So it's, it's very tough. And also, if our goal is struggling and they bring someone in and he doesn't score goals, that's someone else on the wage bill that's then holding you to January. Obviously, you have different lengths and contracts but it's it's a tough situation but I think mm. with with um, Ryan Taylor close to fitness I don't think he will be bringing anything yeah what, what I would say about that lone striker role, I appreciate appreciate where you're coming from because you you know ideally you want that sort of guy who's big tall yeah. can hold the ball if you're going to play Jervis up front there though the, the tactic to play Jervis has to be different you know you've got to yes. play the balls into the channels and get Jervis running using his strengths you know if he, he's not a target man he's no. that sort of player who's going to hold the ball up so play to his strengths and play the ball in the channels and get him running and then get your support players yeah. up to... I mean, I, I mean, you're right. I think that's what needs to happen. I think, it does, as I said, it does perplex me because Derek Adams obviously does... You know, he's not stupid. He, he's a, he, Tactically, he, he is astute, you know, for most of the time. But it does surprise me with the amount of times we've seen, even over the last two years, even when they got promoted, where they'd have someone like David Willey up front on his own or they'd have Alex Fletcher up front on his own and it'd just be long balls over the mm-hmm. top. And every time, it's just... It's just meet a drink for the, the centre-backs just to nod it, nod it down again because they can't compete in the air and um, it, it, it's strange because we know that Adams likes that system and I think you know sometimes he's, he can be um, too much he'll, he'll, he'll favour the system over the players 
Um, I think the other the other issue that me and Chris were sort of talking about was what frustrated us was Joel Grant. <laughs> he scored the goal, but he didn't really have a very good game. It was one of those moments where Chris spent most of the game sort of everything that Joel Grant he'd, he'd lose the ball or he'd make a poor pass or like Jack has mentioned before he'd be running up the wing. He could have taken the player on and he played the ball backwards and Chris was just he. He was going spare because he just kept giving the ball away and then, <laughs> and then he went and scored the goal. But it wasn't just the fact he scored the goal, but even in the build-up to the goal, he did really, really yes. well and getting the ball and running Absolutely. out and, and feeling ground. He, he did very, very well, but I think generally speaking, I think we all agree that Jay Jervis is a better, better winger or has shown more consistency on the wing than Grant. And I think that's the key is that's where Jervis' strengths lie, so why not play with a system that gets yeah. the best out of I mean, nobody scored more goals at Argyle in the last two and a half years uh, than Graham Carey. But in second place, comfortably, is Jake Jervis. You know, he has got goals in him if he can get behind the defenders. And as long as he's got, if someone lays the ball off to him, someone like Nathan Blisser, who you know he can do that, and we've seen him do that, then I think you're getting the best out of that sort of front three um, because you, you'd have a centre forward who can lay the ball off. You'd be getting the best out of one of the more consistent wingers in our goals um, uh, locker. But you know, at the end of the day, Joel Grant scored the winner, and he played very well in that immediate move. So. Derek Adams will turn around and say, well, Joel Grant had a good game. And I understand why he's going to say that, because you've got to keep things positive. And, mm. and, and one thing I will admit is that um, Nathan Blissett can change a game. So, you know, if you're prepared to soak up pressure uh, with Jake Jervis not really having much service throughout most of the game and then bring Blissett on for the last 10 minutes to, to change things and, you know, kind of really rattle those centre-backs who've had it easy all afternoon and all of a sudden they don't have it easy anymore because they've actually got to compete for a ball, then it can make a difference. So, yeah. you know... Um, they've won the game so I don't, I don't want to be too critical just quickly going back to Gary Palmer he says does Derek Adams have the personnel I do think he does I think the midfield the three behind the striker need to yeah. be played better and they have in the last few weeks and when they start scoring goals the pressure is lifted away from the striker so I do think the personnel is there if they yeah. perform to the standard they can yeah, exactly. well. just getting that out of them yeah. uh, Dave Searle's asking about Doyle and Church who are two strikers we've just mentioned Church there and Doyle of course he went to Oldham and he's doing really really well there yeah uh, didn't sign for Argyle is it a financial issue or geography I think with Doyle it's certainly geography isn't mm. it because he was at Preston before well I think I do think Jack Hans came out and said finances played a big part in Do- yes. he didn't name Doyle, Doyle but well. the player not coming to Plymouth he couldn't compete with the finances being offered mm. by another club and I'm pretty sure even though there's no evidence what was the midfield that was Lucian Gillingham uh, right. oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure Jack Hans was interested in him but he, again he, yeah. he went, went to South Bend which was local to where, where, where he's from obviously um the trouble See, is, it's, 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 it's like a two-way issue, isn't it? Because mm. you have to give players more in order to move down here because it's relocation costs. It's not yeah. just you know the fact that a player can stay at home and, and commute from wherever mm. they are, which the players that we've just mentioned there are able to do. You know, but, if any of those players come down here, they've got to buy a house yeah. or yeah. time away from their family. Exactly. Like yeah. David Fox there last year. It doesn't yeah. help. It doesn't help when you know train lines are being <laughs> battered. And, yeah. But what I would say, on the other hand, to try and be a bit, be a bit more positive. Is, just because Doyle was done well at Oldham, it doesn't mean he would have fit into the system that Derek Adams plays here. Yeah, I don't, it's very easy to, to look at a player and just look at his goals or look at what yeah. he's doing for under another system and a different manager. But I'm not so sure that any striker would particularly be doing... Strikers do not score under Derek Adams regularly. No. That's yeah. not been the case over his three years here. Even in the promotion season, strikers did not score a lot of goals. So I think... You could you could you could sign Ibrahimovic, and I don't think he'd score a lot of goals necessarily. <laughs> I, so I don't think they necessarily would be the answer. Is my point? Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. Yeah. Moving on to uh, Denzel Pemberthy. <laughs> I don't know if that's a genuine uh, person or if someone's just having a bit of fun at our expense. But <laughs> put it anyway. Yeah. The question is: Is Joel Grant good enough to start games? And why isn't Greg Wilde starting more? I thought Greg is a decent attacking threat with good pace and always seems to make something happen. Grant's cutting edge is lacking. 
although he finally scored a game we touched on Brian there yeah. I mean he is so inconsistent yeah I mean frustratingly so it's a great question to ask because again me and Chris were having the debate all game well not so much debate I mean I was very much in agreement on Chris on this one every time if Grant got the ball he'd give it away um, he'd run down um, you know dead ends you know a la Jack Wilshere it was very much like you just always lose the ball and but he but he did score. I mean, I think I, I think the reason to answer the specific question about why he doesn't break wild start games. One thing that we, me and Chris, definitely agree on is that he is a little bit more disciplined defensively. Um, the thing with um, Grant is that he is the kind of player um, who is prepared to get back and protect his fullback. Which, if you're trying to play the way that Adams did on Saturday, then that makes total sense. But I don't think that. Greg Wilde offers that defensive protection in quite the same way. He might make a few things more happen, but let's be honest, I mean, we all remember even when he was doing well here at Argyle before, there were times when the fans were just losing it over the fact that Wilde would get past someone and then he'd like cross the ball into the corner of the Devonport end instead of into the box. So, you know, there's, you know Greg Wilde is, is, I think, has more quality, but he's not necessarily more consistent than, than Joe Grant. I just think that Joe Grant is a more disciplined player positionally, and I think that's probably why Adams. Um, preferred him at the weekend. Yeah, Jack, is Grant good enough to be starting for you? Greg, well, the thing with Greg Wilde is, and he, and he admitted it recently in, in one of the interviews he did with Chris, that his crossing isn't fantastic, and he said that Deckhands has picked him up on that, and that he's, he's trying to make him work on that. He's got the pace, there's no doubt on that, but again, the thing that's frustrating me with Greg Wilde this season is he's not had the confidence to run past players. He's got the pace, he's got probably one of the fastest left wingers in the division, I'm sure, but he just doesn't seem to have the confidence, and the trouble is, I think where we fall down is when they do run past that place because when you're playing one up front there can sometimes be one or no people in the box and then I don't think Greg Wilde is particularly the best player at keeping hold of the ball he may be good at you know, the ball being played to him running on but when he's tar- t- being targeted by a right back that's trying to get the ball off him he-, he loses it more often than not so he's got to have that support from other attacking players to give him options when he does run past these players Joel Grant I'm, he is very inconsistent I'd, I've not been particularly impressed with him so far <laughs> the only good thing about Joe Grant is that he Mexico fans. I think that's the biggest positive <laughs> out of his career at Argo so far. But well, that's the thing, though. I mean, he wasn't a regular yeah. at Exeter. The Exeter fans yeah, aren't really that bothered that no. they lost him, are they? No. I, I think, think I, I, I don't know if he's brought in to be first choice. I, I, I don't really know what, you know, Ainsworth, you've got the Miris, you've got, you've got Carey, you can play on the wing. I I don't know if I, if I was the manager and had everyone fit whether Joe Grant or Greg would be starting in, in, in left wing. It's interesting because he had such a good pre season for Argo, didn't he, Grant? Mm. Trouble is, you can't read anything. Last season, the way Jimmy yeah. Spencer scored goals of fun <laughs> means nothing when this yeah. season actually starts. So, moving on to Saturday, then, guys. Um, Rochdale, you know, we spoke about Wimbledon being a must win game for, for Derek Adams. And as you rightly said, Jack, I think this now they've, they've got to follow that Wimbledon win up with another win on Saturday, haven't they? It's so important to be in front of your, your fans as well yeah. because there's going to be what seven, eight thousand fans that they probably haven't seen them win obviously they won at Charlton earlier on the season but they won't have seen the away game at Blackburn they won't have seen the win at Wimbledon it's important to, to sort of get them off Derek Adams back I think as well mm. and if they lose to Rochdale then you're back at square one again it's just when you're playing teams you have to try and put a run together but when you're playing teams around you it's so vital yeah. because it's, it is the definition of a six pointer isn't this type of game already early in the season I think if Argyle beat Rochdale coming off the back of a Wimbledon win, that's a big, a big incentive or a big you know, alert to the yeah. other teams fighting you for that releg- in those relegations. It's, it's going to be an interesting one, David, isn't it? Because yeah. you know, you look at the three games Argyle have had and Shrewsbury top of the league, playing confidently. Obviously, came down to home park and yeah. took the game to Argyle. Then you go away to Blackburn and Wimbledon, where the emphasis is on the home team to do the attacking. 
Rochdale are probably not, given the, the situation and mm. circumstances they're in, are not going to come down and take the game to Argyle. So no. it'd be interesting to see how Derek Adams approaches it's this very, game. Now. It's a very different type of game, as you say. I mean, I think we, we've said a couple of times, we've seen a lot of games over the last two and a half years where Argyle, ha- the onus has been on Argyle to take the game to the opposition and, and they perhaps haven't done it. And that's sometimes allowed the opposition team to just catch a goal on the break or get some from a set piece I mean it doesn't happen all the time but you know I think that the scars of that 3-0 home defeat to Dagenham and Redbridge for example at the end of the, the season previously summed it up almost perfectly you know if, if a team comes in and sits 11 men behind the ball it's not what Argyle are used to so it is going to be a tricky game it's going to be a, it's not going to be backs against the wall for Argyle which means a slight change of tack um, so it'd be, I mean, it'd be, I think that it'd be interesting to see how Adam sets up I think that's when we'll get an idea of how he's going to approach the game because I mean, you know, we, we, there have been some players who come in and not done very well, but I think we can probably just about agree that there is a lot of versatility in that squad. There's um, someone like Greg Wilde is more explosive on the left wing, for example, whereas Joel Grant is more disciplined positionally. So you could argue that he's got both bases covered for the wing out of those two players. And I think that's the case for a lot of the squad. So I think we'll get more of an idea of how he's going to approach it when we see that team sheet, because it could, it could be anything, you know, yeah. it, it all depends on, you know, where, Graham, where you start Graham Carey is, is probably going to be the biggest question, because you can play him in the middle, which is where he's technically most comfortable, but, you know, if Rochdale are coming down here, they're looking at Graham Carey, he's scored two goals in the last three, he's assisted another one, he's going to be the first player they're going to mark, so Adams might play him on the right, so... But also, you know, Keith Hill is going to be coming down here wanting to win the game there, you know, all saying to the place we need to win this game. It's very much like what Argyle going, were feeling yeah. going to Wimbledon. It's a role reversal. It's that sort of, yeah, it's a role reversal putting it. So, you know, and it's also Jordan Slews amongst the Rochdale ranks. So, <laughs> undoubtedly, he'll probably get a, get a goal at some point, as, as, as normally the case. Right, someone is asking, what would your team be for Saturday? So, just quickly, would you make any changes to, to the one that started at Wimbledon? I mean, I think you can probably guess where my changes come from. I, I would start Nathan Blissett just because yeah. I, I, I just think that if you're going to go on the attack, which I think they should, and I think Adam probably knows that, I think you've got to string something together. The one thing that they just they didn't have at Wimbledon is that they... I mean, I've got to, it's not that they never looked like scoring, but it was just a case of that Wimbledon always looked like they were more interested in scoring, if that makes sense, because um, they were the ones playing um, balls into wide areas, trying to get balls into the box. I mean, they couldn't really get through the middle, which is to Argyle's credit, I should say, but... Um, you ne- there was nothing could ever really get strung together for Argon. I think if you put Blissett in the team, he will at least create some chances and maybe have some chances himself. Um, and then I'd probably then what I would do is I would put Carey uh, on the other wing. I put Jervis on the right, so that you've got, in my opinion, the two best goal scorers linked up well with Blissett. Um, so you dropped Joe Grant. Yes, I, I dropped Rogan because I think it's the wrong type of game to start him. If, if he's in that team to be to protect the back forward, I don't think you've got to go for this game. You've got to go for Rochdale. You've got to go out there and try and win the game. So if you've got someone on the pitch whose kind of strength is protecting the back four, I just don't think that's important. If you've, especially if you've got Jan Songo and Diego Argo who can protect the back four from the midfield, I don't think you should be doing that with one of your attacking players. Jack, would you make any changes? No, I don't think I would. I think it's, consistency has been a big thing the last few games. I think keeping the same team could do it. I think if Derek Adams does make changes which I'm not saying he shouldn't necessarily do because you know you, you watch the game on Saturday but if he makes changes and they lose you're creating one for your own but that's exactly what happened yeah. to Wimbledon on Saturday yes. Yes. he's yeah. made a couple yeah. of changes and everyone's saying why the hell did you do that I, I just, just, I just think that, 
there's a run of games now where they're unbeaten. Yeah. Leave them in. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you're rewarding players for winning games, and I think that is yeah. more important than possibly making your tweak because I think confidence is probably bigger than any one individual yeah. player. That's yeah. true. And obviously, with Grant's score, I mean, going to yeah. draw Grant, he's scored a goal. So it is going to be tricky for Adams. You know, I don't envy the team sheet you've got to put out because. Managing confidence is, is a big thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, yeah. and I think Joe Grant is certainly a confidence player as well. Okay, guys, well, thanks ever so much for joining me on the show. That's all we've got time for this week. Uh, thank you to you out there for listening to the show. We'll be back again next week with more of the same, so be sure to join us then. Bye-bye. We are always happy to hear from you, and if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account, at HeraldPAFC, or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening. Thank you.